that's it, guys. That's that's what we want to be about. Is the name of Jesus. Um, Last week we began a uh, study, a time uh, where we started looking at what we've called the way of Jesus. We said that as as uh, as a church, as a local body here in in Franklin County, um, what we want to be about is we want to be about being and making disciples of Jesus. That's our vision. That's our picture. That's what we want to be about is is being and making disciples of Jesus. And we said that we're not going to ever be really good at making disciples if we're not first truly being the disciples that Jesus has called us to be. And so uh, we're taking this first part of our year and we're really focusing in on what does it look like to, to be a disciple? What does it look like to follow? And as we've said, the way of Jesus, because what we know is that following Jesus isn't just a one-time decision. It's not just a, I, I said a prayer and, and I made a decision, but it's a lifelong pursuit and journey of following after Jesus. That's why we call it the way of Jesus. Uh, Jesus in, in multiple places in scripture says, that he is the way. He refers to uh, life and the way that we, we receive life as a way, following a certain way. It's a journey. It's a path that we follow. And so uh, we talked about that last week. Last week we also covered that as a, as a disciple of Jesus, right? We went through and we looked at that word disciple, and we said that uh, in the Hebrew, um, the, the phrase for that is talmudim, Right? It means a, an apprentice, really. That's kind of our best understanding of that as an apprentice, one who would follow after a master. Right? And we said that, that in, the, in, the, in the rabbinical system, right, in Jesus' day, when, when Jesus was a, was a rabbi back in that day, that there were three goals for an apprentice, for a, for a Talmud. Right? First of those was to be with their rabbi. So for us, that's to be with Jesus. The second goal was to become like their rabbi, to become like Jesus for us. And then third was to do what their rabbi did for us then is to go out and to live our lives in the way that Jesus lived his life. What were the things that he did? He went out and preached the gospel. He went out and, and, and shared uh, the, the love of God to a very lost and broken world. And so those become our three goals uh, as followers of Jesus. Those are the three ways that we want to follow Jesus. Um, last week we also um, said that the way that we're going to do that, um, the way that that's going to actually happen in our lives is through practice, right? Becoming like Jesus, doing the things that Jesus did, those things don't just happen without any intentional effort, right? We compared it to if you, if you ever, if you wanted to go run a marathon or you ever wanted to do something great, right? It's going to take months and months and years and years of practice before you become great at those things. And so uh, during this season that we're focusing on being disciples of Jesus, we also want to focus on practicing those things. We also want to very practically practice those things that Jesus did that is going to help us become more like him. Uh, and so we said for this series, every week we're going to have a practice of the week. It's going to be something that as a, as a body, as a church group together, we're going to practice this throughout our week. We're going to practice this in our life groups together. And then when we get together on Sunday morning, we're going to come back together and we're going to talk about how that practice went so that we can continue to grow in following Jesus. Uh, last week, I, I said that if, if you guys uh, would like, uh, you can sign up for our text messaging. And if you do that, we're going to send out text messages. So those of you that were on is on that list, uh, you guys should have gotten three reminders this week. Did you guys get those that are signed up, right? And so on Monday, you should have got a reminder that says, hey, do your practice of the week. Um, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday and then Friday as well, right? As, uh, as well as some other information that we had 
in there. And so, again, um, if, if you need some encouragement, if you want some reminders of those things, sign up for our text messages, uh, and we will send you out reminders throughout the week of what that practice is as an encouragement. Um, I'll tell you, I, I got um, so I had a busy week this week. A lot of you guys know we had three extra little ones with us this week, so it was kind of crazy. I mean, five is crazy, but eight is like, you know, super crazy, I guess. And so um, we had, and so like Monday just kind of flew by. It was kind of a haze and, and, and got a few things done, but it was crazy. And then Tuesday and then uh, Wednesday, I got that text reminder and I was like, oh man, I got to do, I got to do my practice this week. I got to catch up, right? Because the practice this week was to read through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so uh, Wednesday when I got it, I was like, man, I'm already behind. So, so I read 5 and 6, and it was just a really, really uh, important reminder even for me because I was like, I can't get up there Sunday and say, have you guys done your practice? And then me not do my practice, right? That wouldn't be, that wouldn't be great. Um, also last week we, we introduced that there's a, there's a technology that we have available to us. Uh, for a lot of us, the way we access the Bible uh, it's through our phones, and there's an app that, that a lot of us use called Uversion. It's, it's probably the most popular Bible app that's out there. One of the cool features that they add to Uversion is called Events. Um, and so if you have Uversion and you look on there and uh, under More tab, and there's what's called Events on there, and you can search for events, and you'll find that each week we're going to have listed live our event, um, Bedrock Church, what we have going on that week. And what that's going to give you is it's going to give you a rundown of uh, our sermon notes. So you can follow along as we go through the message. It's going to have all of the scriptures in there. Uh, what I also love is that it's also got a place in there to put some reminders of things that are coming up. Uh, throughout the week and so there's links in there for our life group there's links on there to give online in case you forget your check or something like that um, there's links about upcoming things that maybe we want you to register for or be a part of um, and then you can like I said you can follow along with the service the other cool part about that is that you can um, type notes in there as well so as you're listening through the message and even interacting this morning uh, and somebody says something or, or something you want to write down you can write those notes down and then at the end you can save that event, and then you'll always have it on your phone to go back later on that week and to refer back to it. And so, um, again, we we just want to throw those out there as aids. Again, those those don't do the work for you, but they can be encouragement. You know, a text message to remind you, uh, uh, you know, something to follow along with our message today that just kind of gets us all in the same direction. So we just wanted to kind of remind everybody of that this morning. I know several uh, people were out last week. It was kind of the first week back. It was uh, a lot of people were sick last week. And so I want to make sure that everybody knew about that. And so last week, like I said, our practice of the week was to read through um, the Sermon on the Mount. Read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, and then after we read through that, it was asked the question, am I all in on this, Right. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus lays out his manifesto. He lays out for us what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. What does is, what is the life of a disciple look like? Right? When somebody wrongs us, how do we respond to that person? Right? Um, it's, 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 the, it's the Beatitudes in there. It's the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's all of these teachings about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so, so the practice this week was to read through it and then to ask, are we all in? Right? Because if, if we're not completely in on this way of following Jesus, at some point we're going to drop off. Right? It's, it's hard. It takes work. It takes effort to follow Jesus. It's absolutely worth it. But if we're not all in on that, then we're going to really miss out on this journey of following Jesus. And so here's what I would like us to do. Uh, a big part of, of our church uh, DNA is to have time. Not only do we just sit here and, and listen to teaching, but we also have some time to interact with one another. 
um, and, and have some conversations. So this morning, I want us to start our time off together by following up on our practice from last week. We're going to do this every week because uh, I think it's just good practice. It's a good, it's a good helpful uh, reminder to think back through what we talked about last week, right? So um, what I would like for us to do is I would like for us to get into groups of maybe four or five people that are sitting close to you, or if you want to move around and get around some different people you don't normally sit with, that's totally fine too, right? But I want to answer the question, did you get to read the Sermon on the Mount? Now, this isn't a shame-guilt thing. This is just a, did you get a chance to do it? Were you able to, to actually read through that? And for a lot of us, I know you guys weren't here last week. And so, obviously, uh, you may not have known about that. Um, and then if you did, what did you find to be the most challenging part of that passage? What was the, what was the most challenging thing? Was there anything that stood out to you? And then, did you decide... Are you all in for following the way of Jesus, right? Are, are you all in on that way of following Jesus? Now, if you, if you weren't here last week, if you didn't know about this too, maybe just think back through what do you know about the Sermon on the Mount? What do you know back through that teaching? Or you can look it up real quick in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, or maybe you just want to kind of listen to some people around you that have uh, had the opportunity to do that this week. So let's take a couple of minutes. Let's talk about that, okay? And then we're going to come back together and get into... Uh, our message for today, okay? All right, guys, let's uh, let's bring it back together. Uh, hopefully, you guys had some good time to, to interact with somebody and have a couple of conversations. Um, so, I want to say, I want to say, kind of coming off of that discussion first, um, I absolutely love just watching that, um, and and that's what we're going to continue to do throughout this this time together is that we're going to have practice and then we're going to have follow-up the next week where you actually get to talk to somebody about it. Because I know for me, uh, just being really, really honest, like a little confession moment, if I didn't have that accountability, if I knew that I wasn't sitting up here on Sunday and had to, to discuss that with somebody or having to be accountable to that, the chances of me like skipping out on actually doing that practice this week probably would have increased very much. Um, and so I think it's really, really helpful for us to have um, just that accountability, that time to just kind of share those things together that we learned from the previous week, how we've been able to put those into place. Um, secondly, I want to, I just want to say before we, before we really get into, um, following the way of Jesus, I just want to kind of, uh, maybe just tear down a little bit of a misconception. I think that happens sometimes in churches. Uh, I, I know sometimes in churches we look at the guy, person sitting up front, standing up front teaching, and we think that they have it all figured out. And so they're leading from a place that they have it all figured out. And they don't, they don't struggle with this. They've kind of arrived at this place. Um, and I just want to say, like, that's not the case at all this morning. Uh, I just want to be really transparent and to say that I, I feel like I'm so much in this journey with you um, as, the, as the shepherd, as the leader of this church, um, as one of the leaders of this church. I feel like God has given me a place and a calling to, to work toward this so that I can lead our church in this way. But by no means does that mean that, that everything we talk about as far as following Jesus, I'm doing 100%. And I think sometimes we can put a, a big distance between the person standing up front and the people sitting in the seats. Um, and, and really what I want us to understand this morning is that we're like on this journey together. I see us as like a tribe, as a ragtag tribe that's just trying, kind of journeying through life. Um, um, I think it's Peter that calls us sojourners. And I feel like we're just kind of this group of people that are sojourning, trying to figure out how to navigate life, and we're doing it together, right? And so I don't want you to look up here and be like, man, he's got it all figured out, and, and I, I keep missing the mark, and there's this big... No, I am with you guys, um, and I'm as excited about what God's going to do in my personal life and my, my walk with him through this journey as I am for what he's going to do 
for you guys and, and as a church. And so I just want to say that in the beginning that we're on this journey together, on this pursuit of following Jesus together. So today I want us to talk about the first aspect, that first goal of a disciple, of an apprentice this morning is to be with Jesus. I think this, uh, more than any of the other goals, is one that we can just kind of say, yeah, check, got it, okay, figure, yeah, of course, like, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to be with Jesus, right? Like, that just kind of makes sense. But I want us to really look and ask the question this morning, is this really the, the goal? Is this really the desire of my life and my heart is to actually be with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, to to involve everything in my life around Jesus, and that, that I'm so in love and I'm so captivated by Jesus that I just want to be with him, right? Um, I think for a lot of us sometimes it's, it's, like, uh, it's, it's like if a if, if there was a couple who got married, right? And on that wedding day, the husband stands up there before the pastor and he says, I do, I promise to commit my life to this woman and I love her no matter what. Right, and they and they exchange vows, and there's this moment of like, I love you, and I'm committed to you, right? And now imagine that it's been 50 years later, right? And he's never told her that again. He's never spent time with her. He doesn't invest time with her. He doesn't take time out of his week to spend with her, right? And just imagine for a second that they're at their 50th anniversary, right? And she's like, she's like, man, why don't you ever tell me that you love me? Why don't you ever want to spend time with me? And he looks at her and he's like, well, I told you on that day that I loved you and that I wanted to commit my life to you, and that hasn't changed. I would, I would have told you if it changed, right? How, how well is that going to cut? That's not going to work too well, is it? And I think that's kind of what we do with Jesus sometimes. We have this moment where we're like, yes, like Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and he saved me from my sins, and I want to turn it all over to him. But then we don't ever just actually want to be with him. Right? I want us to think about that this morning as we get started. Do we really want to be, do we have a desire? Does our heart ache to just spend time with Jesus? When we wake up in the morning, what is the first thing that our mind goes to? So today we're going to be looking uh, at, at a couple of passages in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. Um, and so first I want us to start out by looking uh, at, at one passage in John chapter 1. Uh, and we're going to look first at verse 35 through 42, and then uh, we're going to follow up with that on verse uh, 43 through 49. John chapter 1, verse 35. And before I get there, let me just, uh, let me just pray over this, our reading and time together, and then, and then we'll read it. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time. I pray as we get into your word, um, Father, that it would, it would speak to our hearts. God, we know that your word is living and that it's active and that it has the, the power to transform our lives. God, help us to be obedient to that this morning. Help us to be aware and understand it well. Father, we pray that your spirit would just move among us this morning and help us to understand your word. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Starting in verse 35, it says this. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this. And they followed Jesus. Let me just stop right there. I love that. I love that. I wonder what's going through John's head right in this moment, right? He's got these disciples that we don't know how long they've been following John, but they've, they've been, you know, following John for a while. And all of a sudden, this, this Jesus, this other rabbi walks by, and they just completely abandon John, right? I, I just, I love that picture. And John's probably like, dude, what happened, right? And so they just take off following Jesus. 
Verse 38, And Jesus turned and saw that they were following him, and he asked a really important question. What are you seeking? I think that's an important question we need to ask ourselves, right? Like at the core of our being, what are we really, what are we really seeking out from our relationship with Jesus? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Verse 39, And he said to them, Come and you will see. And so they came and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John, John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Right? I love Jesus' response, right? What are you seeking? Right? And they're like, Jesus, where are, you, where are you staying at, Jesus? And Jesus is just like, come and see. Right? Now, as a rabbi, right, Jesus could have said, hey, you go and you study the prophets. You study these prophecies about me, and then you'll know what I was doing. Right? Jesus would have been completely, especially as a rabbi, he would have been completely uh, within his authority to say that. Right? But look at his response to them. He says, come and you will see. Right? Translated in today's terms, come and hang out with me. Come be where I'm at. And that's how you're truly going to learn about me. That's how you're truly going to live this way that I've called you to live. Verse 43, going on in our story. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, uh, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip finds his friend Nathanael and says to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip said, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him uh, and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, when you were standing under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. What I love in the second part of the story is now, not only do we see Jesus responding as, come and see, but now um, now we have Nathanael, um, who, who was brought to, to Jesus uh, by Philip, um, asking this question, can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, we need to understand Nazareth is this little, small, kind of insignificant town, right? It, it, I don't know if any of us can relate to living in a small town, right? But, but the hope or the, or the idea was that the Messiah would not come from this small town. And so Philip's like, can anything good come from this little middle of nowhere town, right? And I love Philip's response because it shows us that Philip had been with Jesus because he responds in the same way Jesus did. What does he say? He says, come and see. And I think that's the invitation for us. That is the first step in our uh, following Jesus and our discipleship to Jesus is to come and see, right? Our first step in following Jesus is to actually be with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus. It was once said that time is man's most valuable resource. And I think that's so true, right? As my life has gotten busier and as I get older in life, right, I realize time is such a valuable resource. And where we spend that time tells us a lot about our hearts and what's important to us. And so Jesus in this passage says, you want to know about me? You want to know what it's like to follow me? Come and hang out with me. Come and spend time with me. Right? Which then I think asks another question, brings another important question around. Well, how do we do that today? 
right? Like real practically, how do we spend time with, with Jesus today? It's not like we can go over to Israel and, and, and book a, a trip and go over and hang out with Jesus today. He's not there anymore. So how do we do that, right? Like, like how do we spend time with Jesus today? Later on in, um, in John's gospel, in John chapter 14, this is right before Jesus goes to the cross, Jesus answers that question for us. John chapter 14, starting in verse 25, says this. These things, Jesus speaks and says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Right? I'm letting you know that I'm, I'm speaking those because I'm, I'm with you right now. But the Helper, right, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you and peace I give, not as the world gives you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The way in which we are with Jesus today in a very practical sense is through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit. Those of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have God's Spirit. We have the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's how we spend time. That's how we're with Jesus today. We don't, we don't literally walk along like his early disciples did and follow Jesus to these places and watch him do miracles. But man, we have the Spirit of God within us. And that's how we spend time with Jesus. And I have to be honest, like, I've really neglected this aspect of understanding Jesus in my own life. I kind of grew up in a, in a church tradition, and I know for, for several of us, we kind of did where we didn't really know what to do with the Holy Spirit. It was kind of like that, that weird third person of the Trinity, and we didn't, we didn't really know what to do with him. We were kind of scared to talk about him. Uh, as Francis Chan says in one of his books, he was the forgotten God. Right? It was like God the Father, we kind of had a good understanding, creator, father, right? Uh, and then Jesus came and wrapped on flesh. But who is this third oh, spirit? What is that all about, right? And so what we did for a lot of us is that we just kind of neglected him. We just kind of downplayed and we never talked about the spirit. I feel like when we do that, we've missed out on our way of being with Jesus. We missed out on a big aspect. God, Jesus told his disciples that God would send the helper, the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit would be what would help us to understand him. The Holy Spirit would be what would teach us all things and bring to our remembrance all the things that Jesus had said. It's the moment that, it's the reason that that moment on the day of Pentecost when, God's, when Jesus, um, or when God sends the Holy Spirit. That's why it was such a pivotal moment in the life of the early church, Right? It's because now they have the Spirit of God living inside of them. And you see this moment, if you read over the account of the early church in Acts, you see where they go from this kind of scared little huddled group of, of, of a few believers, right, to this massive movement where they are, where they are going out and they're being persecuted, and they're going out and they're, and they're living bold, fearless lives. And the only difference is that now they have the Spirit of God within them, Right? And so we don't, we don't literally walk with Jesus today, but, but we, we spend time with him because we have the spirit within us. And when we have God's spirit within us, it, it speaks to us. There's these moments in life as we're journeying through life where God's spirit is going to say something to us. And that may be as we're reading scripture that it's, just, it's something that just kind of hits our heart in a way. And we're like, oh man, God is showing me that. It could be a circumstance or a situation that we're in. And, and, and the spirit of God is just moving within our hearts, right? But the way that happens, right, what does that practically look like? 
Jesus gives us a really good picture of what it looks like. If we just go down, um, if we continue in John, if we go down to the next passage in John 15, Jesus paints us a picture of how this actually happens, right? He, he shows us what it actually means to be with Jesus. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It says this in John chapter 15, verse 1. You guys are probably very familiar with this passage. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it bears more fruit. Already you are clean because the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I also love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full overwhelmingly right this this phrase abide shows up in this passage right over and over and over again what does that really mean though abide is is not really one of those words we use a lot today right i can't remember the last time i was hanging out with some of my friends and i was like dude do you want to just go abide right like let's go over to that coffee shop and let's just abide for a little while right in fact if i did i'd probably get some raised eyebrows if i asked somebody that they'd be like what you want me to go do what right but 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 the word abide literally means to remain or to stay at home in, right? That's, that's the idea here that Jesus wants us to understand is that, that to be with Jesus is to understand that, that I am always in his presence, that I am always with him. No matter what I'm going through in life, no matter what, if you stay connected to Jesus, right, that's the picture. It's the picture of, of Jesus being the vine. Jesus is the, is the source of life. And as long as we are tapped in, as long as we are connected with him, we have life flowing throughout through our lives, and we're producing fruit. But if we're ever disconnected from that, right, if we ever get disconnected from the vine, right, we no longer bear fruit. We no longer are productive. We no longer produce fruit. And so it's this idea of remaining. Uh, it's this idea of being at two places at once. So for us, very practically, what that looks like is that I'm doing my life. I am living my everyday life. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I go to work. I do this. I do that. But at the same time, in the midst of all that, I'm always in the presence of God, right? God is always in my mind. I'm always with Jesus, and I'm bringing him into those moments of my life. Paul, Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 calls this prayer without ceasing. It's the idea of that I'm in continual conversation and relationship with God. No matter what part of my day I'm going through, no matter what I'm going through, I'm always connected to him. Uh, the Catholic Church has called this contemplative prayer. Probably my favorite understanding of this is by a guy named Brother Lawrence. Are you guys familiar? Any of you guys familiar with Brother Lawrence? Um, he calls it the practice of the presence of the Lord, or the practice of the presence of God. Uh, fascinating, fascinating guy. Uh, Brother Lawrence was a 17th century French monk. Um, early on in his life, he, he fought in the Thirty Years' War. 
After that time, he joined a monastery as a cook, right, as a lowly cook. And, and he gave himself over to what he called the practice of the presence of God. He said, if there's one thing that I can do, the only thing that I want to accomplish in my life is to always be in this presence of God. I always want to have my mind in the place of God. I always want to be thinking about God, be in the presence of God. And so he's, as he continued to practice this, other people started to hear about what he was doing, and they would write and ask him, can you help me in this discipline? Can you help me learn what it means to always be in the presence of God? And, and so he would write letters back to these people, and then upon his death, they collected these letters, and they put it in this very small book called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's really, really encouraging. I, I like it a lot. Um, and I just want to share a couple of things that he said, because I think that they're very helpful for us as we think about our lives and how are we always in the presence of Jesus. How do we always uh, bring our lives into thinking about him? First of all, he says this. He says, we must give ourselves to God in both mundane and spiritual matters. All things are equal to a soul truly surrendered to God, right? He said, we must completely give our minds and our hearts to God, whether I'm doing something very mundane and and not important or whether I'm doing something super, super spiritual. In another place, he put it this way. He says, um, if we go back to the last slide, should be one more before that. The time of work is not... No? Okay. I'll just read it then. He says this. He says, um, The time of work for him is not more different than the time of prayer. He says, In the noise and the clatter of my kitchen, while several people are calling out at the same time for different things, I possess God in as great of tranquility as if I were on my knees before the blessed sacrament. Right? For, for Brother Lawrence, right, whether he was serving these hungry monks, right, in the kitchen or whether he was, uh, for him, probably the most holy moment was the holy, the blessed sacrament, right, where he is receiving the body and the blood of Christ, right? That is, that is probably the most holy moment for a monk. And he said, you know what, those two moments are actually the same because I realized that, that I have God in both of those. If I can think about God in both of those, both of those situations become these important sacred moments. He goes on to ask some really, really helpful questions. He says this, he says, how can we pray to him without being with him? How can we be with him unless we think of him often? And how can we think of him often unless we make this a holy habit? I love that idea, right? Our starting point, a lot of times we think that, man, we should just be able to be in the presence of God in the presence of Jesus, but yet we don't ever think about him in our day. And so how can we do that unless we think about him? And, and we're not going to do that unless we start to make it a habit. He goes on to say, we must know God before we can love him. In order to know him, we must think often, think about him often. And when we grow in love, right, when we grow in the love of him, then we shall think of him often. Our hearts will be where our treasure is, right? It's this idea that if, if we're not constantly thinking about Jesus, if we're not bringing him into our lives, right, we're never going to truly experience what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. We're not going to truly understand what it's like to follow Jesus. And so for us, what that looks like is that we must bring God into every aspect of our lives, right? And so whether that's, whether that's sitting at the breakfast table eating your cereal or eating your toast or your pancake or your eggs and sausage, whatever it is you're having, and thinking about Jesus first thing in the morning, 
or whether it's in the midst of the hustle and bustle of work and whatever craziness that happens every single day of your life, right? Um, or whether it's sitting down with your family, hanging out, and I'm, and I'm thinking about Jesus in the midst of that. Every aspect of our life, we need to think about how can we bring God into that moment, right? That's, that's what it truly means to be with God, to be with Jesus. We shared, this, uh, we shared this quote last week from uh, Dallas Willard, and, and I think it's, it's really, really helpful here as well. Um, he says, the first and most basic thing that we can and must do is to keep God before our minds, right? This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God, he's picking up on this Brother Lawrence phraseology here, is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. I love what he says here. He says, in the early times of our practicing, right, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habit of dwelling on things less than God. What does that mean? It's going to be hard, right? It's hard. When we think about, when we just try to be in the presence of God, when we try to think about him, we're going to get distracted. It's going to be a little bit of work at the beginning, right? But he goes on to say, he said, but these are habits, not the law of gravity, and they can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps toward God. Before soon, uh, and before soon, our minds will return to Him as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. If God is the great longing of our souls, He becomes the pole star of our inward being. It's this idea of practice, right? And if I'm constantly putting my mind and my heart on Jesus and thinking about Him, over a period of time, if, I can, if I'm consistent in doing that, right, I'm going to start to have this desire. I'm going, to, I'm going to start to have this desire where I just desire to be with him more and more. And then the result of this, right, this result of being with Jesus, as he says in John 15, the result is that we're going to produce good fruit, right? John 15, he says, verse 5, he says, Whoever abides in me and I in him, right, whoever spends time with me and thinks about me and is with me, he it is that bears much fruit. Abiding with Jesus over time will produce fruit, right? It will produce us being more like Jesus, right? That's the great secret of being like Jesus is actually just spending time with him. Because here's what I know. The more time that I spend with Jesus, the more I become like Jesus, right? I realized in my life, I can't spend a significant time of my life with Jesus and not actually start to look like him over time. Right? It just doesn't happen. The more we spend with Jesus, more time we spend with Jesus, he's so compelling that we start to change. Right? And this doesn't happen by accident. It happens by practice. We talked about that last week. You're not just going to wake up one day. Right? I'm not going to just wake up one day and say, oh, I just want to be with Jesus. This I want to spend two hours of my day just thinking about Jesus in prayer and reading my Bible. No, it's going to happen by me waking up one morning and saying, you know what, I'm going, to call, I'm going to shut everything off that I have. Technology-wise, everything that's going to be a distraction, I'm going to shut it all off. I'm going to take 10 minutes, and I'm going to sit in the quiet, and I'm going to think about Jesus. I may read his word, I may pray to him, but I'm just going to be with him in that moment, right? And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that again the next day, and again the next day, and again the next day. And over a period of time, that's going to produce a habit in my life. That's going to produce something in my life that over a period of time, eventually I'm going to start to desire that. Right, and I, and, I, and I speak to that from experience. Right, there's there's those moments in my life that I have that I have been diligent in spending time with Jesus. And what I know is that when I start to get into a rhythm or routine of spending with Jesus, I look forward to that. 
right? I start to get excited about it. I start to think about, okay, can I get up a little bit earlier this next morning so I can spend a little bit more time? Oh, man, that was so good. I got, I got so much out of my time with Jesus this week. Let me, just, let me just spend a little bit more time with him next week, right? But on the flip side, I also realize that it is a habit, right? And it doesn't take too many days of me missing that intentional time with him before I kind of start to forget about it as well, right? It works both ways. Habits work both ways. And so it's important that we take these intentional steps, right? And so the goal then is that we start to produce this fruit, this fruit that we have in Jesus, right? And so when, when, one, of a, one of the last questions this morning then is, how, how do we produce this fruit? How does this actually happen over time, right? And, 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 and I saw something in a passage this week that I'm pretty familiar with that I've never seen before, and, and it's kind of cool when I saw the connection. Uh, in Galatians chapter 5, a lot of us are familiar. This is where Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And as I read through that, that this week, in combination of what Jesus said in John 15, I think that Paul here is riffing off of, or certainly connecting to what Jesus said in, in, uh, in John chapter 15. But look at what Paul says here. This is Galatians 5. He says, but I say to you, walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, right? This is how this all connects for us today. We're constantly walking by the leading of the Spirit. And if you do this, he says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, right? These, these, these earthly desires, verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, if you are following God's Spirit, right? If you are in the presence, if you're with the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's go on to, to verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, and he goes to list those things, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He said, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, right? The, the, the result of walking in the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentle, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I love that idea of keeping in step, right? That I'm following in the steps of the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another, right? But here's the, here's the, uh, the epiphany that I had, the realization that I had that Paul says in this, in this verse right here. Notice that in verse 22 when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he doesn't command us to have these fruits in our life, Right? But what does he say? He says that these are the product, these are the results of having the Spirit in our life, right? I think for a long time I thought that, man, we just need to work really hard at loving people. We need to work really hard at being joyful, uh, as if these were some sort of virtues. And there are places that Paul says that we need to work towards some of these virtues, right? But in this passage, what he is really trying to help us to understand is that these are all byproducts of being in the Spirit, these are all byproducts of spending time in the Spirit, following after the Spirit, right? Fruit is what's produced. And I, and I really believe that Paul is, is connecting this with what John, uh, John 15 says. That for us, if we stay connected to the vine, 
If we are connected to Jesus, if we are abiding in him, right, through the Spirit, through intentionally setting time, side of time setting aside, aside time to be with him, that we're going to start to produce these things in our life, right? And the fruit of being in the Spirit, the fruit of spending time with Jesus and being with him is going to produce these things in our life. We're going to find that we're going to be more loving people. We're going to find that we're going to be more joyful people. We're going to find that we're going to have more peace and patience and kindness and all of these other aspects, all these other fruits of the Spirit, right? They're going to be part of who we are, not because we're working intentionally to make them happen, even though there may be a place for that in our, in our following Jesus, but those are going to start to happen just by being with Jesus, by just spending time in His presence. The fruits of the Spirit are the result of being with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, right? As we abide in the vine, we start to walk by the Spirit, right? I think these two are, are, are speaking the same language. And the more that we start to spend time with Jesus and follow what the Spirit is saying to us, the more we start to live in that way, the more we're going to start to see this fruit produce in our life. The more we're going to start to see what it means to be disciples of Jesus, right? That's, that's the place that we're going. And so when... One thought on this, though, before we before we kind of wrap up uh, our time, is this: what is the great what is our greatest challenge going to be then to walking in the Spirit, right? And I really think our greatest distraction is going to our greatest uh, challenge is going to be distraction, right? I think for many of us, knowing many of us in this room, right, there is a sincere heart desire to follow Jesus. In conversations with you guys throughout the week and getting to know you in your lives, there's a sincere desire for many of us to follow Jesus, to be disciples of Jesus, right? We said last week, or I said last week, that I feel like for many of us, you guys, we want to follow Jesus. Like, that's the desire of our lives is to be obedient and to follow Jesus, right? And so I don't think for, for most of us the problem's going to be just complete rebellion and not wanting to follow Jesus at all. The problem, the, the, the challenge for us is going to be distractions. It's going to be these lesser things that are going to take our time and our thoughts away from spending with Jesus, quite honestly, right? And probably for a lot of us, this is going to be number one on our list, right? For a lot of us, this is going to be the number one thing that's going to pull our hearts and minds away from Jesus. We spend too much time on lesser things, right? I said last week that uh, there was a research that came out that uh, over 2,600 times a day, people on average touch their phone. That's over two and a half hours a day people are given to, to this technology, right? And, and this isn't the conversation about whether technology is good or bad, we should ever use it, not use it, anything like that. This is the question of what's distracting me from spending time with Jesus, right? I know for me in my life, when I start my day off, when I wake up first thing and I go and I check this thing first thing in the morning, right? My thoughts are not going to Jesus, right? My thoughts are being entertained by whatever's happening on the screen, whatever I missed from the night before, right? And so for some of us, for all of us, we need to think about what are those distractions in our lives? All of those distractions may not necessarily be bad things. It could be other commitments that we have. It could be uh, family. It could be other priorities that we have. But we have to realize that if we truly, truly want to follow Jesus, we have to, we have to learn to set aside these distractions so that we can spend time with Jesus, right? And, and, and honestly, I think, I think where the rubber meets the road for this, for a lot of us today, is that we're not willing to rearrange our lives to give us the result that we want, right? 
We say we want to be followers of Jesus. We say we want to be disciples of Jesus. But yet, when we actually talk about something practically of like, you know, turning off the TV or um, getting up early, setting that alarm for 30 minutes, 10 minutes earlier in the morning to actually get up and to be with Jesus, we're not actually all in at that point, right? Which is, which is why I wanted our first practice last, last week to, to ask the question, are you all in for following Jesus? Because if we're all in for following Jesus, it's going to require doing some things in our life. It's going to require making some choices in our life that may not be comfortable in the moment, but if we want the result, right? If we want to see that fruit produced in our life, if we want to be disciples of Jesus, it's going to take some rearranging of our lives. And so instead of me sitting up here and talking about all the things that could distract us, I realize that there's a wide range of things, right? So here's what I want us to kind of wrap up our time with. I want you guys to take a couple more minutes together in your groups, okay? Hopefully by now, you, you in that first discussion, you got a little bit comfortable with everybody, right? And I want you guys to a- ask these questions. What is the greatest challenge um, in spending time with Jesus? What is the greatest distraction thing that pulls you away from spending time with Jesus? And then a follow-up to that then is what needs to change so that you can make the time every day to spend with Jesus, okay? And so talk about that for a couple of minutes. Talk about what those, those challenges are. If I, if I were to guess, I'm going to say that you're going to find that a lot of you guys have very similar distractions. At the root, we probably have a few things that pull us all away from this, okay? And then we're going to come back together and talk about our practice of the week this week, how we can start to spend more time with Jesus, okay? All right, guys, um, let's, let's come back together. I got one, one last uh, handful of thoughts here to wrap us up, really, um, as we think about going and doing this this week. Um, uh, first, first thing, first thought is this. Um, being with Jesus is the first step in the way of Jesus, right? If we never get to that point where we're actually spending time with Jesus, we're never going to actually start to become like him. We're never going to start to do the things that he did. And so that's, that's, that's not a guilt. That's a, man, we need to just be with Jesus, right? That's a, that's a heart uh, moment. We were talking about in our group a minute ago that uh, I think sometimes when we, you know, when we go to somewhere like a work environment or a, or a different environment, um, we like to separate those things. And we say, you know what? I have my work environment, and then I have my Jesus life environment. Right? And those two don't never cross paths. And so as long as I'm at work, I'm doing work things and thinking about work. And then when I'm done with work, then I can come and think about Jesus. Right, But the call to be with Jesus, the call of, of following and being led by the Spirit is that we are with Jesus all the time. Whether we're sitting at our, at our job, um, doing our, our work thing, and we're thinking and we're trying to find ways that we can bring Jesus into those moments, or whether we're, we're not, and, and we're, we're continuing to be and to spend time with Jesus. And so, so being with Jesus, this is the very first step. If we don't actually spend time and, and create a desire to be with Jesus, we're, we're never going to get where we want to be in those other steps of following him. Um, secondly, I just want to remind us of a few things we covered last week, and we're going to continue to cover these because I think that it's important uh, things to know as we're in this series in this study of following Jesus. One, to realize that this is going to take time, okay? Um, I don't expect, I'm not saying it's outside the realm of possibility, okay? But I'm not, I'm, I'm not expecting next week. Uh, if, if you're sitting here today and you're, you know what, I haven't read the Bible in the last, I don't remember how long, right? Maybe never. I'm not expecting you probably to come in next week and say, you know what, I went and read the entire New Testament this week. I just couldn't help it. And now I'm a Greek scholar. I enrolled in seminary. Right? It's going to take time. 
right? It's going to take time. Maybe you come back next week and say, you know what? Three days this week, I spent five or ten minutes with Jesus. Like, awesome. That's awesome, right? This is going to take time. Secondly, this is not always going to be easy. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take, as you guys just discussed, it's going to take cutting out some of those distractions in your life. All right? What were some of those distractions real quickly? Um, just kind of spit them out that you guys talked about uh, that keeps you from spending time with Jesus. You guys, what did you guys come up with? Phone. Phone? Her phone? 100%. Com- comfort. 100%. Comfort. Oh, okay. Yeah. Our thoughts, our own mind. Okay, getting wrapped up in that. Okay, what else? Social media. Social media. Okay, right. Spend a lot of time digging in on social media stuff. Anybody else? Any other desires? Ross said his spouse. His spouse. <laughs> I was gonna say family can be a distraction. So Ross just threw it out there. Yeah, girlfriend, boyfriend, relationships outside of that, right? Yep. All these things, right? And, and they're not all bad things, right? Certainly. Family is not a bad thing. Um, relationships are not bad things, but they can they can distract us from the main thing. And so we have to be aware of those and, and put plans in place to make sure that happens. Um, number three, I think it's just so critical for us to realize this is going to be different for everyone in this room, what this looks like. Some of you guys in here, I know, right? You dedicate time in your life already to Jesus, that is already a practice that you're having and you've had for many, many years. And so for you, maybe the challenge is going to be, I'm just going to increase that some. I'm going to step that up. I'm going to be more intentional. And like I said a minute ago, some of you, it may be like just really being honest. I don't know the last time when. And so for me, it's going to be a starting point. For some of us, it's phase of life. Some of us have more things, different things, times at different times. And so this may look different. Some of you may say, there's no possible way I can get up 10 more minutes early without losing my mind. Um, some of us, it may be very possible to do that. And so I want us to realize this is going to look different for everybody. But number four, and, and I just want to press into this every week, is that we can do this together, right? That's the value of being a part of a church community is that we're pushing one another to do this together, right? I, I don't believe that Jesus had in mind that we would be these isolated disciples trying to live this way of following him alone, right? He had much more the idea that we would do this together in community. And that's the, that's the heartbeat of what this church is to be about. It's the heartbeat of why we do life groups and why we have connections, right? It's why we, why we spend time discussing these things um, on Sunday morning. It's why that there's a hope that you'll discuss those outside of Sunday morning with other people so that we can push one another together in community, okay? And so our practice of the week this week, okay, this is what we're going after together as a church body, to take 10 minutes every day to just be with Jesus, Okay, and I'm not going to dictate what that looks like. Um, for some of us, that may just mean sitting 10 minutes in the quiet still and just thinking about Jesus, right? Just thinking about him, thinking about who he is and what he wants me to do and how he wants me to live and how I can bring him into my day. Some of us may want to incorporate some scripture into that time. Some of us may want to take some time to use that as, as some communication with God and what we call prayer, um, right? But the goal is to spend 10 minutes, set 10 minutes aside every day to be with Jesus this week. To think about Jesus, right? To eliminate distractions, right? And to focus on what he is saying to me through the Spirit. What is it that he's speaking to me in this time? And so for for some of us, right, that's going to mean setting the alarm 10 minutes early, 
right? And getting somewhere quiet and alone. Now, for some of us that have young kids, that's going to mean getting up 20 minutes early because you know what happens. You get up 10 minutes early and that kid gets up 10 minutes early that day, right? So you get up 20 minutes early, right? Have your 10 minutes with Jesus and then you can actually have 10 minutes to actually chew your breakfast, which is a whole new experience. Let me just tell you, it's great, right? <laughs> Chewing your food, letting it actually go down the proper way is, is awesome, right? Not trying to just shove it in your mouth as you're wrestling kids, right? Um, but let's, let's take intention. Let's be intentional with that, right? Maybe for, for a lot of us, we probably need to set an alarm on our phone or on uh, an alarm clock, right? Something that's going to remind us. Right? Maybe it might be a practice. You know, if you know that this thing is going to be a distraction, maybe it's go out this week and buy a $5 alarm clock and, and set it so that you're not looking at this first thing in the morning, but you're actually spending time with Jesus. Um, I would encourage you to do it first thing in the morning for this reason. Um, I think when we start our day and getting our minds thinking about Jesus, we were, I was talking with, this, uh, with Donald about this a minute ago, the more times that we start to think about Jesus at the beginning of our day, the more we start to see Jesus show up throughout our, our day, right? It's this crazy coincidence, if you would, right? It's this crazy correlation that the more I think about Jesus, the more I see him show up in my day. And so that's the practice this week is just to, to be with Jesus. Jesus. Let me close with one, one last uh, very short little little story I heard this week I thought was really good. Um, how many of you guys are familiar with Dan Rather, the CBS News anchor? You guys remember, I remember as a kid watching Dan Rather, um, on, like he was like a celebrity to me because he always came on the TV at the same time. And, um, anyway, so he was a CBS News anchor and one time uh, he interviewed Mother Teresa and he was interviewing her and he asked her what she said during her prayers and she answered, I listen. So Dan turned the question and asked, well then, what does God say? Mother Teresa smiled with confidence and answers. He listens. For an instant, Dan didn't know what to say. And if you don't understand that, Mother Teresa added, I can't explain it to you. I love that story, right? It's like sometimes we're just going to sit in the presence of God. And I'm not going to say anything, and I, he may not say anything you know, audibly to me. It may just be thinking about him and being in his presence, right? And there may be other times that we sit down and it's like, man, we can't even jot down the stuff he's saying to us fast enough. But the goal this week is just to actually spend that time and be in the presence of Jesus. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, close out. Uh, Josh and Kayla are going to come back up and lead us in one last song um, together. Then after that, um, we're going to take about a 10-minute time. If um, you're not able to stay for the Nicaragua meeting, it's a good time to go ahead and transition out. Uh, and then about 10 minutes after that, we're going to go ahead and Don Donald and Pam will come up and share, start sharing about uh, our upcoming mission trip. Okay? So let's pray. Father, thank you for today. I thank you for your word. God, we thank you for uh, the fact that we can be with you. We thank you that we can be with Jesus. Even though he's not walking this earth today, God, that through his spirit we can be with him. And I pray that as a, as a church community, that would be our heart this week, is that we would be with him. That we would make the intentional effort, that we would set aside the time, that we would carve out that time in our in our day uh, to just be with you. Kind of pray for my brothers and sisters this week as we go out and endeavor to to be like Jesus, uh, to be disciples and to make disciples. And I pray that would fill our, our time. I pray that would fill our conversations. And ultimately, at the end of the day, Father, you would receive the glory from it all. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>